Hi, welcome back to the Cities Reimagined podcast, the show where we discuss all kinds of aspects related to alternative urban futures. I'm your host, Johannes Riegler. You might be wondering about the intro song of this episode. The song is called This Day Is Mine by the band Boys Club and was released back in 2008. And my guest this week, Stefan Fugge, is not only an editor for the regional media in Carinthia, Austria, but he was also the frontman of the band Boys Club. And you will hear more about that and about our backgrounds in alternative music in the interview. This episode of the City's Reimagined podcast is about the role of local journalism for reimagining futures. Currently, we see that there's more and more media coverage on climate crisis, the biodiversity crisis, and related anthropogenic topics in the media. However, a lot of the reporting on, for example, climate change scenarios and in how far the atmosphere will continue to warm if greenhouse gas emissions are not cut drastically are difficult for many people to grasp and it seems to be abstract and oftentimes unrelatable to the everyday life of many. Studies show that highlighting the local impacts of climate change is motivational for many for behavior change and action. On the other side, when people perceive the effects of global crisis as distance and taking place somewhere else, on the other side of the planet, for example, they might feel powerless and disengaged. For that reason, the news media can play an important role by framing stories in a manner that emphasizes the local perspectives alongside the global scale. But is that really the local media's task to do so? And what skill sets and interests are required to do so? Over the last years, I've been talking and exchanging regularly with my good friend Stefan Fugger on urban development in Klangfurt and in Carinthia as such. Klangfurt is a city which is, yeah, I would say not exactly known for doing things differently, where there is little culture of shaping urban futures together and little culture of co-creation and uh, not many people seem to challenge the conventional paradigms and it seems very difficult to change things and to steer things up over here. Stefan is an editor for the newspaper Regional Media Carinthia, which is a local news paper, a news outlet, which reaches every household in the region as it is, gets shipped to every household freely. They also have a strong online presence in recent years. And Stefan increasingly covered very local stories related to climate change and interviewed a diverse range of people in the area who are concerned about urban development. We recorded the interview in August 2023 in Klagenfurt and as I'm editing the interview now two days later, the region was hit by the heaviest rainfall ever recorded. The rain almost hasn't stopped in 48 hours which caused officials to call for code red and in some parts of the region almost 300 liters of rain fell per square meter in just two days, which caused catastrophic floodings, 
landslides and avalanches of large masses of rocks. Streets and buildings have been destroyed and uh, there are a couple of villages in the mountains which are completely cut off for days now. Across the border to Slovenia, which is only some 30 kilometers from Klangfurt, the situation is looking even worse, including human casualties. And it's not just over yet. And it has a very dystopian feel to it, recording this intro and added a podcast inside here while outside the sirens go off every other minute. So the effects of the climate crisis clearly are observable here in the region and it's only expected to get worse with uh, rising CO2 levels. So it was time for me to sit down with Stefan and find out about the role of local media and local journalism in linking these very local effects and this highly complex state of human crisis caused by human activity. Hey Stefan, it's so nice to be here with you in a basement <laughs> in Klagenfurt. How are you doing? Oh, fine, thanks. I love being in a basement, especially this room with a lot of instruments. It reminds me of my youth and my younger days. We're in the south of Austria at the moment in a city called Klagenfurt and I cannot imagine a better room to have this interview in with you. So we are uh, very comfortable in a very humid and damp uh, rehearsal room in a youth center in Klagenfurt, yeah. where actually 20 years ago, uh, this was a kind of infrastructure for the local uh, punk rock and hardcore scene with a lot of um, uh, concerts where people met. and It was a kind of institutions. And I'm very happy that we got the key to this rehearsal space from, um, from my good friend Mike Kalishnik from the band Dorkatron, which is really cool. And this is also, I have to say, Stefan, we know each other for some 20 years uh, due to this punk and hardcore scene, uh, which was at its peak, I would say, in the early 2000s. And I think you, you contributed to that a lot by playing in a lot of bands at that time. That was at one Störsender, uh, Animotion, later on Boys Club. But also you organized a lot of concerts yourself with uh, Modishow collectives and you actually run the coolest club in town back then, the Running Sushi uh, Indie Club, which somehow put Klagenfurt on the map internationally when it comes to, to the scene, I would say. How did being part of this DIY, uh, do-it-yourself ethic or this culture at that time, very political subculture, shape you and how does it, how does it shape your work today? Mm. Oh, thanks for the roses <laughs> and thanks for your reminder of the good old times. Uh, I think it's always dangerous to, to live in the past. So it's great that we are here and we are right now here in a place, in a rehearsal place. And I think it's very symbolic. Three years ago, I was here to report about the change. If we think um, upstairs, there was a, was a concert room, which is now a room for fitness. Right. So they... They changed the whole setting, the space, which was a space for punks, for metalheads, for young bands, is, is gone. And now the youth 
is not interested in concerts anymore, so they made a fitness room. So it shows that the youth is really interested in being healthy, being being in good shape, which is a good thing. But uh, I think it's also it's it's a sign of the time. We had this really strong community. We had a lot of fun, and we had this uh, thinking uh, that we can change something and we can be active and yeah. create something. I right. think it's always about creating something and that you realize that you can change something. Right. How matter where you come from, I come from a quite middle boer family and you don't have to be rich to organize concerts. You can do it and you can uh, publish a, a record. You can do it. You just have to be creative and to, to want it. I, I, I totally agree. And I think this, this early 2000 was really... At least in Klagenfurt, these were this was a very special time in a way where uh, there were so many people involved in the scene which somehow contributed to it and somehow felt empowered to just try things out and experience with things. Yeah. And uh, I think it was it was great. What I still take from that time is that you meet someone and you respect him and his opinion. That you meet eye on eye and you argue about something that you have different opinions, but you still want to just talk and have a good time. Today we talk about something else. We could we could do a podcast easily on that time as well, and it must <laughs> probably would have uh, some entertaining uh, 40 episodes, I would say. But today we talk about uh, something else, and that is uh, very local journalism. Mm -hmm. can, us, can you tell us a little bit about your work in local journalism? How's your job, your daily job? What do you do? Okay, my daily job is to um, report about local news. I'm not interested in international news, so what Russia or is doing doesn't matter to me. But uh, I can bring an example. Uh, when the, U the, the war started against Ukrainian, um, I had this interview with a young woman from Ukraine. She came to Carinthia and I had an interview with her, how she felt, how the war started. And it was a very emotional story and I was really touched. It was, and so I, I felt um, even if you're in Carinthia, in a really safe place and you think you don't have, you're not a war reporter. I'm just a simple, simple journalist can interview someone who saw this war who felt this war and who experienced this war it was really strange and terrifying it might be the the role of good local journalism if you will if you break down this very global um events this um yeah where the world is heading to to a very local level you just said that by what is going on in in ukraine and and uh russia um, how that translates into a very safe place in Carinthia. What are the effects? What are the stories behind this uh, this global crisis and war to yeah to the to the local level in Klagenfurt? Climate change has arrived in Europe and especially also in this region. So there's almost nobody who doesn't see the effects of climate change unless they live under a rock, I would say. Mm. But how do you perceive these changes in, in this region, these effects of climate change, biodiversity crisis, all these kind of changes in, in the atmosphere and in the global um, ecology 
Uh, how do you perceive that? Okay. Just yesterday, I, I had an interview with an operator uh, of a campsite near Lake Vertesee. Uh, during heavy rain, the roads become impassable. It's not a threatening situation, uh, but it's rather unpleasant. So the, the, the guy told me um, the people are not very amused about this. Kids find it funny that the streets are full of water. So um, he wants to ask the politicians, uh, the responsible people, how, what can they do that it doesn't happen again? Okay, mm -hmm. so we are, the, the heavy rain is resulting, uh, has an, a negative effect. This is a sign of soil sealing and this is really a, a, an um, important topic. In my opinion, Klagenfurt or the politicians are not aware of these dangers. Mm -hmm. they, they have to react, they have something in common. They want to change it, but it's, it, it's too slowly. The climate is changing faster than the laws are coming. Do you, do you perceive in your work that there is a increasing awareness of these kind of connections? For example, what you just described, the soil sealing and uh, increased risk of flooding. And uh, also, is there an awareness among uh, not only politicians, but in society as such that uh, climate change is, is really going to affect this region and uh, Central Europe as well? Mm. Um, in my opinion, as, as far as I can see it, politicians um, are more aware of it. Um, and it doesn't matter from which party they come from, whether it's a left wing or right wing or middle. Um, Klagenfurt is part of the EU mission, uh, the 100 Climate Neutral smart and Smart Cities. Um, um, so they have this tool. Um, which is really great. Um, they, they promote this, promote this, promote this tool, but I don't think they do it fast enough. So I come to explain it. And and you don't have to forget the citizen. The citizen also has a lot of um, responsibilities and um, ways of acting and changing. Um, as far as I see, the citizen is not aware. Of it. Uh, yeah, what you just described, um, just for those who are not uh, very familiar with this EU mission, so the, the EU mission on climate neutral cities is uh, 100 cities across Europe have been selected to, um, who have a high ambition to become climate neutral by 2030, which is like in seven years. Um, and it's very challenging or a very ambitious target, I would say. And I would totally agree that it's essential to, to take the, the people, the residents, and whoever um, uses the city aboard of this transformation because it, in the end it touches everybody's life. But do you, do you have some ideas how you, how you could break that? Not you personally, but how that could be, um, how citizens or residents could be made more aware of this need to change um, towards or transform towards climate neutrality and how that connects in the end also to these extreme weather events which we see at the moment? That's a really hard question. <laughs> because um, right now citizens are too lame and they are not willing to, to change their lives. So it's very uncomfortable to 
to leave the car at home and use the bicycle. I do it for myself, so I don't accept mm-hmm. myself from this. I'm also very lame. Um, <laughs> I think the best practice shows how how the mindset is still missing is that we have this project where the Bahnhofstrasse, the street to the station, apart uh, 60 meters from this street was closed for cars. Politicians didn't make it to convince the people that this is space, that this valuable space where they can dance, where they can hang up, hang around, where they just have a cup of, cup of coffee. They had um, tables where people could work. The people had this chance, but they didn't realize the change. The chance. Nowadays, I have more this this outside looking in look on onto Klagenfurt. So I don't get the details. I just see a little bit what what, what is what is happening and what is changing and how how the ambitions change and what is happening in the public space. But what I think is missing oftentimes, not only in Klagenfurt, is 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 a common vision, uh, a common goal, which is. Um, co-created with the people living in the city. We want to achieve this, and this will be great for our city. Having a plan, going in a certain direction, and taking everybody, or whoever wants to be on board, there will always be people who will not be on board, and that's fine. That's democracy. You know, co-creating something with the people, come on vision where you can work towards. Do you have some ideas how urban development can be communicated better to residents, and how they can be taken on board of this process? That's really, really a hard question. I can tell you that the, the, the politicians of the city, Klagenfurt, uh, presented an urban development concept. So they have this concept, which is um, called Urban Development Concept 2025, which is in two years. So I guess people are willing to change, but they don't understand. They don't get the message how create a positive effect for the city. Um, uh, yesterday we had this 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 news about a, a, a star. Everybody knows him. It's, uh, so, but um, I can see that uh, didn't uh, didn't resonate so well. Um, it, uh, yeah, did not many people it wasn't, open w- wasn't, the, the wasn't story. Wasn't very successful. Yeah. Um, um, two hours after that, I published an article on our Facebook site about an IT company, they are planning to rebuild a location which is more than 200 years old. They said they don't want a new building on the Green Meadow. They want an old building. Buildings, four buildings have monument protection. They're really in catastrophic shape. Um, And I saw that a lot of people resonated to this article. So I uh, we reached more than 10,000 people with this article. So so I see that people are interested in how can resources be reduced because when this company goes this way they don't have to uh, consume so so many um, resources. Yeah. Um, we know all that um, uh, resources so many resources are wasted from the building. I think this this is a good way. It shows a modern company shows us there is a way and that you can reconstruct old buildings. 
I think this is a very good example because it's, um, so this, this building, it's a, I think it was from the monarchy, yeah. um, a horse stable and storage for the food for the horses, if I remember correctly, and it has been vacant for 17 yeah. years. For 17 years. It was, uh, it's, it's that uh, homeless people lived there. Yeah. They destroyed a lot of infrastructure, but he is really, he has this plan. But it's great because the, also the, the fact that so many people open the stories shows that they're interested in what is happening in their immediate surrounding. So they're more uh, interested in the redevelopment of this building than on Prince uh, being on uh, vacation yeah. in the in the city, and this also translates to to what you said earlier that that there is this climate crisis and the effects of the climate crisis. And I think this is a very interesting point to how local media can make this connection between these global effects, which somehow you know materialize in the very local space, and what can be done or what um, how can you um, redevelop vacant buildings in a way that they consume less resources, less space, less green space, and, uh, and so on. Mm. It's really, really, I think it's um, the politicians, they have to bring the message better. And the concept is great, but nobody understands this concept. Mm -hmm. You have to be an urban developer. You have to, just like you, mm -hmm. you are in, into this this kind of uh, stories, yeah. but uh, the citizen doesn't know it. Yeah, it's far they, away. They, they just uh, they w w want to see how they can make ends meet. What do you think is the role of local media to reimagine cities and region and overcome this non-sustainable status quo? I'm asking this question because we we know that there is not there's not any more uh, information deficit on climate change. Everybody knows uh, basically that we need to transform. Mm -hmm. How can local journalism spread knowledge and also inspiring stories of change and transformation to a larger audience? Mm -hmm. That's a really good question, and uh, perhaps so many, perhaps you get something wrong. Um, I don't see myself as someone who wants to influence someone else. That's not my role. As a media, we have to publish stories which are interesting to read. Mm -hmm. And so, so... But I think you, you kind of do. You, you, you bring these inspiring stories. You get them out there. It's I can tell you a lot of examples. We already, already talked about this before we recorded this. Um, I was um, at a press conference to the urban development concept. Mm -hmm. After that, I wanted to make a photo with the two politicians and it was a really great space under the trees, but it was hard to make a photo because there were so many cars parking yeah. there, <laughs> really. Yeah. And so I wrote this in the first sentence so that everybody sees that the city is not ready yeah. to, to reduce the car. And, and I, we have this concept, but we are not ready. We have to change. Yeah, <laughs> and I absolutely, I absolutely love that uh, line of yours to, to this article. Do you think local media should be more critical when reporting about local news and local urban development uh, projects? Mm, of course, that's our responsibility. And I have to admit that sometimes we, we and especially me, are not too critical. I have this um, example. 
um, there is this rural community. We know that in small villages, stores are closing, people move away. So um, I heard about a new building project. I found out that it was a supermarket, but the supermarket was not located in the center of the village. It was five kilometers away. I didn't get it. Yeah. I asked the mayor, why is this new supermarket five kilometers away? Yeah. He said, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, these ideas. I don't know, this, this situation where you show like, okay, the city or the, the town has an ambition, but what they are doing is the complete opposite of implementing that vision. Mm -hmm. or yeah. I, I think there's a lot of time this is happening, yeah. especially when you think about zones and space, yeah. which is sealed. They don't want it, but in fact, they do it. I, I totally agree with you. I think it is, it would be great or is an important aspect of local media to show these contradictions, what is up between visions and reality. I, I find that a very fascinating and interesting um, aspect of what you just said, um, task of local media, not only bringing the stories, but actually making these connections between different uh, news segments and developments. But of course, it, it also, it also re requires from whoever is writing the stories to make these links and be aware of, of this great larger picture maybe uh, in which these stories are embedded in. Mm. And also you have to be an expert in, in yeah. rezoning. You yeah. have to be an expert in how zones are developed yeah. and which laws are, are at hand there. Mm. So this is not, not an, an easy <laughs> yeah, thing. sure. It's hard. Um, uh, we have all a lot of times we have this topic um, about rezoning. You can't rezone an area if there is a zone for building infrastructure. It it is. Uh, you can't bring it back. Yeah. So um, first politicians, some are starting to rethink and say they they see the value yeah. from space. Because uh, I think 30 years ago, 40 years ago, they were like, oh, we have to, we have to rezone yeah. so many spaces. But they, nowadays, they're starting slowly to realize which. I think, I think so, too. And I think it, it will only come, at least that's my hope. I'm an optimist. So I hope they, they recognize that uh, sooner than later that, you know, by, by changing zoning especially in this region which has a you know suburbanization of every small town eats into the landscape like like cancer it is really crazy here i would say which you know triggers all these other effects like the dependency on cars uh, and a lot of other problems related to that where do you see local media go from here what is the vision for your work on the newspaper for the next 10 years um, local media can, can do one thing. They can bring topics into discourse. They can make people talk about something. They can make people regard something. Okay, I think that's our role, that to show the possibilities, to show new ways. New ways, uh, how can we change the world? How can we change the city? Um, for me, I'm really interested um, how the city is changing and how they can 
how a city or a rural area can change in a positive way. So coming back to our punk and hardcore background, I really have the feeling that the subculture we were part of in the early 2000s was spanning boundaries. There was such an active scene and an ecosystem, really, where many people contributed in one way or the other and put this small and, yeah, very sleepy town on the map nationally and internationally when it comes to punk and hardcore. How do you perceive the role of Klagenfurt culturally uh, in a region which is very reactionist, traditional, and I would also say not too welcoming for change and transformation? I would love to see a spirit again, like the one we had in the early 2000s, where it, it seemed like anything is possible, at least in the subculture. Mm -hmm. You just experiment, you, you inspire other people, you get, you get your classmates into this, and you, know, you, you have something to, to strive and to, to work out on the go. Mm -hmm. I think these days are over and we have to accept it. But as far as I can see the youth, they are very interested and they are very emotional and they, they are very clever and they want to change some things. But I think they are, I, I can't explain it. Perhaps are, they are afraid. Perhaps we were, perhaps they are not angry enough. Mm -hmm. I miss something, some yeah. kind of anger, yeah. uh, positive anger, because yeah. punk and hardcore is very aggressive. It's full of anger and this is a power you can take and this is all fascinates me from from my from my younger youngest days on as as far as i can see the youth nowadays is very comfortable perhaps they are a little bit too comfortable and they they should feel this this anger yeah bringing that back to to climate crisis and biodiversity and that kind of discussion that there is a lot of climate anxiety increasingly especially in young people who are uh, feel robbed of their future potentially. Mm -hmm. And that brings us back somehow to, to at least to me, but to very no local newspaper reporting, because you, you break down, again, what we've discussed already, these global um, trends, these challenges into very local uh, ground. Because climate anxiety often comes with fe feeling hopeless and fe feeling not knowing what strings to pull and where to, how to connect to a certain topic. But local media can break it down to young people or also older people to make it somehow tangible, to mm -hmm. somehow make it, in Germany, we would say, it's angreifbar. It's also our, our we, it's all the, when we talk about the future, um, how can we... Um, reach young people and how and uh, I just want to tell young people that they can write us every every young citizen can write me an email and say there's something going wrong and you father of two right how angry are your kids in general <laughs> <laughs> um, my kids are not angry at all I think they're very interested mm -hmm. they are interested in climate change they're interest, interested in politicians what, what age are they in now? 11 and 13. Yeah, with the, with the older one, I, I love to watch Tip. Tip, yeah, news, that's, yeah. A, that's the uh, national news yeah. uh, on TV. Here. Uh, and when something about politicians, politicians is coming, my, 
older son is really, really, it's, it's exciting for yeah. him. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. That brings us to the last question of today. And I would say almost the most important question of this interview. What are the top three punk and hardcore songs to change the world? Okay. It's really, really hard for me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The first one is Black Flag, Rise Above. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, the second, uh, I would say, it's a Dead Kennedy song because Cello Biafra, for me, he's such a smart guy. Yeah. When I read about him and his opinions, it also changed me. I think it's it's holiday in Cambodia. Yeah. <laughs> and the third one is uh, a cover version. Uh, I love uh, Sick of It All. We stand alone, and they they cover Betray from Minor Threat. And um, it's hard for me to just mention one song, but uh, I love uh, whole albums. I think this We Stand Alone, Sick of It All album is so great because it's this anger yeah. I was talking about, this positive anger which can can create something. Yeah, that's great. Thank you so much, Stefan, for your time and willingness to to talk to me in this very damp uh, <laughs> rehearsal space here. It's really cool. Thank you so much. If you feel angry about something in Klagenfurt, send an email to Stefan. <laughs> he will, he might be take shy. it. Don't be shy. He might take it up. Okay. Thank you so much. I say thank you. That was my chat with Stefan Fugger from Regional Meeting Carinthia. If you like this episode, Please subscribe to the Series Reimagine podcast to not miss any shows in the future. And I would absolutely love to hear from you. Please get in touch with me via the Series Reimagine social media channels or via email. That is johannes at anthropocene.city. To play you out of this episode, here's another song by one of Stefan's projects. This one is uh, by Der Schwarze Schwarm and the song is called A Ministry of Reconciliation. And I highly recommend that you check out the other work of Stefan, also of the band Boys Club. Besides many things, Klangfurt is known for its very notorious, dark, gray and foggy winters. So if you ever happen to be in the city between, let's say, mid-October, end of October and mid-February and you walk the streets and it's foggy make sure you listen to the Schwarze Schwarm because I think it captures the feeling you get from walking the streets perfectly This was all for today um, I hope you enjoyed the episode. It has been produced, edited, and recorded by myself, Janis Riegler, and I hope to catch you soon.